Praise God. Thank you for being here this morning. This Sunday we, will, we are uh, beginning um, a new Easter series. Easter is only three weeks away. And uh, in fact, I'd like to encourage you to invite somebody to come uh, to church with you during this Easter season. Uh, people uh, are accustomed uh, or at least open to coming to church uh, during Easter. And so it's a so um, I saw a study the other day that a majority of Americans still believe that um, Easter is a religious holiday. We're seeing a lot of shifts and a lot of things changing in America, but there's still a majority of folks in America that understand that Easter is a religious holiday, and so they're more open uh, to coming to church with you if you will invite them. So invite them to come to church uh, during the Easter season. We have our uh, Easter presentation that's coming up, and that's going to be a wonderful program, wonderful presentation. It's a good opportunity for you to invite folks to come uh, and to be here. But today, and for the next three Sundays, I'm going to begin to uh, series. I'm going to take a look at uh, what a common theme that is suggested through many of the resurrection narratives. I didn't, I actually didn't have a title for this series until. Uh, we went this weekend to a leadership conference, and I heard Tommy Barnett speak. And uh, in, his, in his message on Friday night, he referred to a passage of Scripture that kind of tied a lot of it together uh, for me. And it's in John chapter 11. Now, you don't have to turn to John 11. In, in fact, go ahead and turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Uh, but John chapter 11, verse number 40, uh, in a verse... Jesus uh, is speaking to Martha just before he raises her brother Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? Uh, Jesus says to Martha, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Uh, faith does not require, as some people might say, uh, faith does not require a blind uh, leap of faith. Faith does not require a, a blind belief in Jesus Christ, in his life, uh, in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. After all, there are reasonable proofs that we have as Christians, reasonable proofs that we have that he lived, uh, that he was crucified, under Pontius Pilate, and uh, that he rose back to life. So in other words, we don't have to accept those things by blind faith. There is evidence that we could point to and say Jesus Christ uh, actually lived, that the historical record is that he was crucified uh, under Pontius Pilate. And there is considerable evidence that in fact he did rise again to life on the third day. So we have reasonable proofs uh, of these things. However, faith does involve a, a certain capacity on our part to see uh, some things that are not there. Uh, to see uh, what is sometimes not there. Faith is, includes the capacity to perceive and to accept as true some evidence that is not uh, readily apparent or available to our senses or to our intellect. So, for instance, the book of Hebrews defines faith this way. The book, book of Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. It's 
the conviction or the evidence of things that are not seen. So faith includes the capacity to see more of the evidence than is accessible to our sight, our hearing, uh, our intellect. Therefore, we, we understand that it's not always what we see, but rather it's how we see it that makes a, a critical difference. Now, uh, you've heard, and to cite an overused and maybe a worn illustration, uh, some people have said the pessimist sees the, half, the glass as what? Half empty. The optimist looks at the same glass and says what? The glass is half full. And, and although that illustration may be cliche, it does illustrate an important point for us uh, as believers, and that is that what we see, what we see is conditioned by what we believe. It's not, it's not determined by what we believe, but what we see is influenced and it is conditioned by what we believe. So for the next several weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna look at some points in the resurrection narrative and we're gonna discover that believing is seen. Believing is seen. So that's the title of this series. And so in John chapter 20, we're gonna read uh, a passage of scripture. We're gonna look at John's account of the events uh, of the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 20, we're going to begin reading in verse number one. And I want to ask you to pay close attention to who's involved in this passage and who sees what uh, in this resurrection account. So John chapter 20, verse number one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have lain him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going uh, toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple, and, and here John's talking about himself, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Verse 10, then the disciples went back to their home, but Mary stood uh, weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we might be saved. And Lord, during this uh, season, this holy season, we remember the death of Jesus Christ and we celebrate his resurrection. We rejoice that 
The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us who believe and that he is able to give us life. So Lord, we look to you today and we ask that you would have mercy upon us. God, there are things in our life that need your touch. Things, God, in our life that need uh, the application of your resurrection power. So we pray that you'd give us the ability, Lord, to see the possibility of what you can do with uh, broken, the dead, or the dry places that exist in our life. We pray that you'd give us the capacity, God, to look beyond the natural and to expect you to do the supernatural in our lives. We pray that, God, you'd give us the faith to believe that what is impossible for us, that it's possible with you. We pray that, God, you'd give us the eyes to see Jesus Christ in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our trials, through our tears, that we might see Jesus. For it's in his name that we ask it. It's for your glory that we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as you know, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. It's what our faith uh, rests upon, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said that, it, that if it did not happen, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not take place, then he says our gospel is empty and that our faith is useless. So everything depends on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ was not raised, Paul says, then we are hopeless. That we are still in our sins. And Paul says, and we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ is raised. Can you say amen? Christ did rise again. And as I said, there is, there is ample proof that we can point to uh, that gives us the reasonable assurance that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. And in fact, uh, Paul is able to affirm this and he's able to assure us that Jesus did rise from the dead uh, because he said he had seen the risen Christ, that he was an eyewitness of the risen Jesus Christ. In fact, he carefully defends his case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, he says, For I delivered to you of what was of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So there were, there were well over 500 eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after the resurrection that saw him after he was raised. But here's the thing, there's not one eyewitness of the resurrection itself. There's not one, one eyewitness of the resurrection itself. That is, no one saw the resurrection. What they saw, who they saw, was the resurrected Jesus Christ. 
They saw Jesus who had already been raised. In fact, Paul's testimony gives us uh, some important information about those who did see Jesus after he was raised. Paul uniformly says that Jesus appeared to Cephas, that is, to Peter. That he also appeared uh, to the twelve, that he appeared to more than 500 at one time, that he appeared to James and to the apostles. And then Paul says, and lastly of all, he appeared to me as well. Uh, it seems that no one, no one saw Jesus without him appearing to them. You see that distinction? It's an important distinction. Nobody saw Jesus without him appearing to them. To me, that indicates that there is a special relationship between believing and seeing a, uh, a relationship that I've, that I've already suggested. In other words, Jesus, uh, seeing Jesus after the resurrection was not, it was not accidental, it was not incidental, it was not the result of looking for him or seeing him uh, somewhere. It was, it was the result of him appearing uh, to that person. I might say to Irene when I go home in the afternoon, hey, I, I saw Matt Webster today. So as you might say, well, where did you see him? Well, I ran into him at Carly C's or at, I ran into him at Walmart. I saw Matt Webster. But here's what I'll never, here's what I never say to Irene. Uh, Matt Webster appeared to me today. <laughs> and if he does appear to me, then uh, <laughs> we'll be in trouble. <laughs> so you see the distinction that nobody saw Jesus by accident. Nobody was walking down the street and said, oh, I, I saw Jesus today. No, the appearances of Jesus after his resurrection were, were intentional. They were the result of an intentional, uh, intentional perception when he revealed himself to them. So there's a, there's a fundamental distinction that's being made when the Bible says that Jesus appeared to a person after uh, his resurrection. Now, that, it, it does not mean that the person did not actually see Jesus, that he just appeared as a ghost or that he was spiritual in his appearance. It does not mean that that, that person did not physically see the body of Jesus Christ or that Jesus was not bodily, physically present with them. But it, it does mean that there is a special dimension of revelation and faith that is present and that is operating in the appearances of Jesus Christ. Those who saw Jesus after his resurrection actually saw him. He was physically present with them. He was not some ghost or it was not some spiritual manifestation. It was not some perceived uh, revelation. But those that saw Jesus after his resurrection saw him because he appeared to them. They were, in other words, made able to see him in connection with a work of revelation and in connection with a work of faith in their own life. And, and we can see that dimension layered into uh, the account of John here on the first resurrection morning. Did you, did you play, pay close attention to who saw what in the verses uh, that we read? It says, 
If, if you did, then you probably noticed that Mary saw something more than both Peter and John saw on that first resurrection morning. In fact, let's review. It says, all three of them have a different sort of experience at the empty tomb. All three of them have a different kind of view at the empty tomb. First, it says that John arrives first and that, but he does not go in. He just, he stoops in and he looks and he sees the linen cloths that are lying there in the empty tomb. But he doesn't go in. Peter arrives next and he goes straight into the tomb and when he arrives in the tomb, he looks around. Uh, the implication is that he looks around the tomb. He takes in the entire tomb because he sees the linen cloths also, but he also sees more because he looks and he sees the face cloth that is lying separately in another location. Um, and so he looks around and he sees more. He takes in the entire interior of the empty tomb. He sees the the death cloths there, the face cloth that is lying there. And then John follows Peter into the tomb and presumably he sees the same scene. He, he takes in now the entire interior of the tomb. But, but notice that there is a level of perception here with John that is not mentioned with Peter. It does not say Peter saw the linen cloths, he saw the face cloth and he believed. It just says what? He just, he saw the linen cloths, he saw the face cloth lying there, period. John sees the same thing, but there's some other level of perception that is layered into what John sees, because why? It says he sees and he believes. He believes, even though they had not been taught entirely about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says that he believed, although as of yet they did not understand from the scripture that he must be raised uh, from the dead. Then these two exit the tomb and they return home. They pass Mary, who is still standing on the outside of the tomb, weeping. And after they leave, she stoops to look into the tomb. And what does Mary see? Mary sees two angels dressed in white, one at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus had lain in the, in, the, in the tomb. So my question when I read that is, did Peter and John uh, miss the angels? Did, did, they not, did they not see the angels? I know that the simplest explanation, which is, is usually the best explanation, the simplest explanation is that these angels appeared to Mary, but they did not appear uh, to John or to Peter. Nevertheless, we're left, we're left with this truth. Three people looked at the same scene and they each saw something different. Peter saw the linen cloths, the face cloth lying in an empty tomb. John saw the same linen cloths, the face cloth, after he entered the, he saw the same scene, but layered into his perception is what? This element of faith and belief. So he saw uh, with faith. And then Mary saw something entirely different. She looked in and she saw uh, even more. She saw a supernatural manifestation of angels in the empty tomb. You see, what you see when you look at any situation is conditioned by the perspective 
that you choose. Peter saw the natural. He just saw the linen cloths, the face cloth lying in the tomb. John looked and, and he looked with the eyes of faith and he saw the same thing, but he saw evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he perceived more than just the natural, he perceived by faith that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And Mary looked and she saw even more. She saw the supernatural manifestation of the activity of God there in the empty tomb. So you can, you can choose to limit your view by what, what only exists in the natural. And we do that a lot, don't we? We look around and we see things the way they are and we say, well, you know, that's just, that's just the way things are. That's just, that's just reality. And, and that is a, a very practical and it's a very common sense approach to life, isn't it? I, I confess that it's uh, more times than it ought to be. It's probably my viewpoint of life. It is what it is. It's linen cloths and a face napkin. And, and I'm not going to hurry to make any assumptions about, about what it means. So you can choose to limit your view to what only exists in the natural sense. It's a very practical, it's a very common sense approach uh, to life. However, how many understand that such a view often, often leads to discouragement and doubt, right? Because listen, if all we see is what there is, and what there is is only sickness, trouble, problems, pain, adversity, death, trials, uncertainty, disappointment, then how many knows that there's little there to encourage you? If you look around in the world today, for instance, and, and you only see what is, then how many knows that's a, that can be a discouraging viewpoint? Amen. If you look around and say, well, what is, it just is. And that's the bottom line, and that's all there is. That can be a very discouraging viewpoint. The view from inside a tomb, how many of can be depressing? Even, even if it's an empty tomb, but it's still a tomb, isn't it? It's still dark, and it's still a place of death, and there's still grave clothes that are laying there in the tomb, covered with blood, a reminder of, of the death uh, of your Savior and your Lord. In fact, if it had been a typical tomb, in that day, then, then there would have been other dead bodies in the tomb as well. Because what they would do is they would wrap a body and lay it in the tomb until it had decomposed sufficiently, and then they would come in and unwrap the body and take the bones and put them in a box, and then they would put a box up on the shelf of the tomb so that then they could lay the next body there, and if it was a family tomb, then they repeated that process until the shelves were filled with the boxes, the bones, of their family or their relatives. And so if it had been a typical tomb, not, the body may have been gone, but, but the boxes and the bones would still have been in that, in that uh, tomb. But how many knows that it, it wasn't a typical tomb, amen? Uh, in fact, the Bible specifically says that, it was, that Jesus was laid in a new tomb. That there, there were no other bodies, there were no other bones there. The tomb was completely empty. Nobody there. 
And, and that's the perspective that John had. Peter went in and he saw a tomb, but it was what it was. It was a tomb. It was an empty tomb, but it was still a tomb. And there were bloody uh, burial cloths laying there and a face napkin, and he makes no assumption about what took place in that tomb. But John comes in and he understands this is an empty tomb. He saw the grave class, but he realized uh, what was not in the tomb was more important than what was in the tomb. And what was not in the tomb, uh, or let me say it this way, who was not in the tomb was Jesus Christ. The grave cloths were there, the face napkin was there, but Jesus was not in the tomb, which meant to John that means Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. This gave John hope, even though he saw the same thing that Peter saw. He had hope because he realized that means Jesus is not here. And that's, and that's how you are able to have faith, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of adversity, even when you look around and all that you see is death and tragedy and trouble and trials and uncertainty and adversity because you understand that no matter what you see, no matter what you face, Jesus Christ is alive. And that makes, that makes all of the difference. In fact, it, it means that in spite of where you're at, as Dr. Cookman used to say, you can praise God in the middle of it. Amen. It doesn't change the fact that you're standing in the tomb. It doesn't change the fact that maybe you're staring at some realities in your life, some sickness or problems, adversity in your life. But in the middle of it, you can praise God because you can say God is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still alive. Because why? Because you have a different perspective. You're not looking with only the natural eyes. You're looking with the eyes of faith that says, despite what I see, regardless of what I don't understand, regardless of the fact that I don't have answers to the questions that I'm thinking, regardless of all of that, I believe God is in control and that Jesus Christ is alive. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. So that no matter where you're at this morning, and no matter what you're facing, and no matter what the natural looks like, and listen, I know that some of you, you're looking in the natural in your own life and you see problems, difficulties, adversity. And nobody's here to try to deny those things. But I'm telling you this morning, you can look with the eyes of faith and say, you know, no matter what these things look like, I know God's in control. Regardless of what's going on, no matter where I'm standing, what's happening in my life, I know Jesus Christ is alive. And I know that he's my Savior. And that he's my Lord. So you can praise God in the middle of it. You see, faith is the capacity to trust in God, to trust in Jesus Christ in spite of the evidence around us that might suggest that he's not there and that he's not present in our life. It's worth noting that it says that John believed even though he didn't understand then that, that encourages me, I don't know about you, but it encourages me to, to know that faith is dependent not on what I understand, not on what I know, but it is based on my capacity to trust Jesus Christ in spite of what I see, 
in spite of what the world says to me, amen? In spite of what the doctor says. In spite of what my bank account says. I can look at all of that in the natural. I can take a very practical, common sense approach and I can say, well, you know, it is what it is. And that viewpoint offers very little encouragement. Or I can look at it and say, you know, it is what it is, but I know who is. Amen. I know that Jesus Christ is alive. And that makes all of the difference. So John had a, he had a different perspective. He saw and he believed, even though he couldn't comprehend or understand what it all meant, nevertheless, he believed. So faith is not having the answers to all your questions or solutions to all your problems. It's trusting God in spite of the questions. Trusting God in spite of the problems. But then there was Mary. She had a perspective that neither of the other two uh, had. We're not, we're not sure that Mary believed that Jesus was raised. In fact, there's indication that she didn't yet believe that Jesus was raised. But what Mary saw that the other two didn't see, she saw the evidence of the supernatural. The evidence that God was at work. And that the situation, no matter what it was, that it had somehow changed. And that it was going to change drastically because of the supernatural power of God. You see, Mary's perspective acknowledged the supernatural dimension. Mary's perspective allowed the possibility that something miraculous was taking place. Mary's perspective anticipated that God's power was at work here. And listen, that's the, that's the fullest expression of what John says, or what Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 40. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. It doesn't matter how things look. If you believe, if you trust in me, you will see the supernatural glory of God in your life. No matter what we see in the natural by faith, we can believe that God is in control and we can anticipate and expect the miraculous. That God is at work. And that our situation, no matter what it may be, that God can turn our situation around, amen? That we can expect him to intervene and to do uh, the miraculous. So I'm going to ask Mike if you'd come to the piano this morning. Mary's eyes were opened to see the supernatural. Mary's eyes were opened even beyond John's. John saw in the natural but he chose to say, I believe God's in control. Jesus is not here. Jesus is alive. I don't understand what it all means, but I'm, I'm willing to trust God. But Mary saw, and she saw the supernatural at work. She anticipated that a miracle was about to happen. Something was taking place that was beyond her comprehension or her ability. And I'm, I'm going to pray for you this morning because I believe that there may be that you're here this morning you're in a situation where 
in the natural, you look at the situation and you say, well, it is what it is. At the end of my bank account, or the doctor has given this diagnosis or I'm facing this problem or this difficulty and, and the devil wants to discourage you with the evidence of what you're seeing with your eyes. And I'm going to encourage you this morning, don't lose faith. Look with the eyes of faith that says, in spite of what I see, I trust God. Well, you know, it is what it is. That's